God bless the crew and the cast, but I just thought the movie was a waste of time. If you're hell-bent on barging into other people's memories, transforming a city of mutes into your drones, then making off on rollerblades while dressed in truly wretched fashions, then a big welcome to all lucrative criminal masterminds downloading this 13th edition of Midnight Video, with me Jim Hall and me Phil Walsh. Tonight, inception on a reduced budget and with a welcome sense of humour, stumble-bum psychics rummage around in your head and unearth skeletons. Don't cry for me, Argentina, because we won't hear anything. Big business and big science create the big silence in South America's answer to Metropolis, 2007's La Antenna. And Starlight Express reimagined with economic collapse, drug wars and crimes against hairdressing. Patricia Arquette offers up a prayer for the roller boys. We're in the midst of summer blockbuster season. Anything um, tickling your fancy? Mm, Captain America, I think. Yeah, it looks like uh, it could be fun. But I probably won't see it. Uh, no, I'm not. Uh, cinema's not really something that I do anymore, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> no. I just don't have the time or But money if you did, Phil. If I did, I'd go to if Fright If you could Fest. afford a nanny, <laughs> you'd go to Fright Fest, definitely, yeah. In fact, oh no, we'll have got the tickets by now, won't we, by the time this goes online? Yeah. Yeah, we'll have been queuing up. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I asked because recently, uh, we did mention this a few shows back, me and our friend Steve, who's always very happy to get a, a shout-out. Um, no, we've we've started going to Peckham Premier on a Tuesday because it's only £5. But, you know, so your expectations aren't massive but we've enjoyed you know well I went to see Attack the Block the Joe Cornish movie a few weeks back which is fantastic X-Men was kind of duff but it was a night out but we did see Green Lantern um, which oh my god was dread wretched I won't go into why because it's be a full review (laughs) but um, there was a trailer that came up there for a film I'd not heard of before maybe you have one with Hugh Jackman as a oh the robots fighting I'd not heard of this, but the way Real that Steel. it's called Real Steel, which was a disappointment because the trailer looks so awful. Because it's a pretty typical Rocky thing with the the sort of underdog, but he, it's, yeah, it's a future where I'm sure most listeners have maybe heard of this. Maybe I'm the only one who hasn't. It's a future where boxing with humans is banned, and so they have robots to do it. But Nicolas Cage is this ex-boxer who's turned trainer, and he's got a kid who's Hugh always. Jackman. Who did I say? Nicholas Cage. <laughs> why could I get these? Cage two? fighting. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm just thinking of why are you in this film yeah. <laughs> in general. But no, he picks up some sparring robot by the looks of the thing. I, I, saying that as if that's a normal, an everyday item. Um, but yeah, the way the music's building in the trailer and it's built, oh, it, it looks awful. I was disappointed though when it's building up and then at the end said, "Real Steel." <laughs> I wanted the title to be something like "Lights Out for Clobbertron." <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'd definitely go and watch them film uh, Rise of the Planet of the Apes <laughs> that's your review <laughs> doesn't really uh, interest me They, as we're recording they've just done a new trailer for it and it looked wow. more explicitly like uh, Conquest of the Planet of the Apes which is my favourite of the oh, right. originals well, I haven't seen the trailer yeah I'm, well there's something and there's something a bit uncomfortable when the, the thing they're selling the film on is 
from the creators of the special effects for Avatar rather than anyone else involved. But um, they do look quite impressive. No, it, uh, stuff in the trailer suggests it might be interesting at least, but uh, that'll be worth a fiver down. The peck and plex. <laughs> but we're going to be doing some uh, considerably lower budget films this week. Yeah. Ready to uh, get going? Yeah, I can't wait. Open the uh, closet. <laughs> and who will we find inside? <laughs> I want to believe you, I really do. You're like a son to me. You beautiful little monkey man. If you're tying the knot and don't want your wedding gift list cluttered with cheese knives and George Foreman grills, you may instead get someone to hire undervalued employees from the mysterious Vertical Company, specialists in making sure that lovers setting out on life's highway have no secrets from each other. How they achieve this has less to do with snooping about in dustbins and instead uses Heath Robinson equipment and psychically charged pebbles. Nick Whitfield's offbeat 2010 film Skeletons gradually introduces viewers to a strange new career opportunity where occupational risks include turning Bulgarian. So, another recommend from you, Phil. Mm. Where did you... I think I had vaguely heard of this once I... When she'd suggested it, I looked it up. I thought, ah, yeah, I think... Was it maybe mentioned on the Radio 4 film programme last year? It might have been. I heard it more on um, Five Live with uh, what they called uh, Commode and Mayo. What Um, they called. Yeah, (laughs) because as people probably know that Jason Isaacs is an ex-school chum of um, Commode and yeah he he was in this and they were alluding to it quite often about this small quirky offbeat uh, British indie flick which in itself sounds that, that that very description makes it sound a bit annoying but um, I thought I'd seek it out anyway so I bought the DVD and it's been sat on my shelf for ages and then I thought oh wait, we've got a podcast <laughs> I've got an excuse to watch it now um, and bloody hell what a crime I can't believe I left it so long yeah no just thanks for recommending it because this is absolutely fantastic I really enjoyed this I mean I, I enjoyed it watching it probably two weeks back but um, I watched it again last night um just in preparation for this show and yeah really really uh, knocked me out the second time round yeah I'm looking forward to it. I've only seen it the once but yeah. I'm definitely going to watch it again very but, soon yeah. well that's the, the a point to raise um, when I I don't know if this is the same for you but watching it first time part of what I really enjoyed but was also a little bit infuriating was that you it's a little unclear what exactly their job is and oh, I think yes. we're we're going to have to tread carefully doing this it's going to be another review when we have to allude to things but mm. you get the you get the broad idea which is yes they can psychically go into people's memories mm. and but quite what the rules of that are are left they're never made explicit you have to just pick it up by listening to bits of dialogue and mm-hmm. um, watching it a second time when you're familiar with what happens throughout the entire film um, yeah bits of dialogue this happens a lot in, with other films and TV shows things become much clearer a second time round but I found that really rewarding and it made me I, I enjoyed it a lot more second time round but it was right. great first time I really enjoyed this yeah because even though I'd heard of it I'd never really paid much attention to what, what it was about so when I sat down and watched it, I was watching it cold, more or less, and and then I I, I just had these little moments of like, oh, that's why it's called skeletons, and mm. oh, that's what it's alluding to, which was really refreshing. Then I read the back of the box, and I was like, oh well, it tells you on the back of the box, unfortunately. Uh. <laughs> but yeah, I was fortunate enough to um, to not know that. So if you do buy it on DVD, I just put it straight in the machine. Yeah, and, uh, turn off air review now. Yeah, 
but you know we, we yeah, won't let them too either. much um, but yeah another happy coincidence because like I said I'd watched it a few weeks back but last night I was out with our friend Rich you know, mm. who we used to work with and at his flat he had this huge screen and he showed me uh, Inception which I'd not actually watched but yeah you can imagine to watch Inception and then watch this afterwards again um, <laughs> it was fantastic Inception which yeah, it was okay for what it was but um, throughout Inception they have to keep because I suppose it is quite an unusual subject matter it means you have to have a character constantly telling the audience what's going on he said oh we're creating another level to the dream and we're going into a third level and so time wait passing. whose mind are we in now <laughs> And we're just trusting an Australian air hostess to wake us all up at the end of it. You know? <laughs> um, whereas this didn't do any of that, and it was so much better because of it, because you're always on edge. You were much more on edge than Inception, where you were just waiting for the next bit of folding CGI cityscape or whatever it is. Um, this, yeah. you were really hanging on the dialogue and thinking, are they literally talking about Thatcher and Meteron, or is this an allusion to some... Because <laughs> yes, yeah. a lot of people have code names in it that they're mm. talking about. And it reminded me a bit of um, Sapphire and Steel, the old 70s sci-fi show, right. uh, which was no nothing like as good as this. But that also had these two mysterious agents who'd turn up and tell people that time was working. In a, It changed every week. It was basically an, uh, an excuse to throw a bunch of um, spooky images together. Whereas this, you could tell they had actually worked out how everything operated and the, what the parameters were, but they just didn't decide to do a big info dump and put that all up front so repeated viewings and this are, are really rewarding uh, as usual I feel we've gone off on sort of the broad sweep rather than what really happens in it it's yeah it's about these two operatives uh, for this company uh, Vertical which the suggestion seems to be that they're low level psychics um, and possibly that, that, that company can work at quite an international espionage kind of level but they're quite down the ratings aren't they so they just help out yeah with, they're grunts in a way aren't with they? quite domestic kind of situations um but yeah the the, the two leads in this um ed gogan and andrew buckley is it yeah i think so i didn't write down yeah there's a really good dynamic between them and you, you the, the, it's established immediately you see them walking around the yorkshire dales in these kind of the kind of Blues Brothers Reservoir Dog suits, but they they do look like they've bought them for about fifty quid from Burton's. Yeah, uh, <laughs> <some> <laughs> yes, <laughs> wandering around, and yeah, you immediately get the measure of them. The fact that uh, the one character Davis is um, just always trying to impress with his knowledge and his strange theories, and trying to get people to agree with him. He's, He's talking about the moral purity uh, of Rasputin at the it's, beginning. It's a, such a great opening. That dialogue yeah. is amazing. And just physically how they look. Because yeah, they very much seem like they're from a production of... Um, of mice and men you've got lenny and george there you've got this huge lumbering guy although he's not thick is he but he's really good-hearted yeah uh, and uh that's bennett and davis the smaller guy with his little ratty mustache and he's just seemingly no patience yeah but um no oh, yeah i could i could go on about it but i'm gonna let you get a little <laughs> word in yeah um no i had the same i mean i was struck immediately with the music because they they used um Le Mystère de Voix Bulgare, the Polenjala i Pishnitsa, or whatever it's called. All <laughs> off the top of your head. <laughs> um, which is, y you'd know it. Yeah, it's, it's like very kind of obvious. Kind of music, yeah, I think the record label 4AD re released that album after uh, Pete Murphy from Bauhaus, mm. which I think we used yeah, Bella Lugosi's in the last episode. Yeah. Um, passed on to the guy. 
and it's been used ever since. It, it's very reminiscent of a, uh, the host of Seraphim by Dead Can Dance, which was used at the end of The Mist. Right. Um, I mean, the thing the music reminds me of, because of my age, uh, in the seventies there was a Monday night, a really interminable quiz show called Ask the Family with Robert Robinson but it had very similar music to this that just suggests you know some ghastly chunk of Eastern Europe yeah. <laughs> but you had to sit through it because Blake Seven was on afterwards but, um, but yeah, yeah I mean just to, just to well yeah that that drew me in straight away because I like that piece of music anyway I'm familiar with it and then yeah you have this amazing opening dialogue with uh, Bennett and Davis and yeah it sets the characters up perfectly but then they go into this house and quite what they're something doing something starts happening there's mm-hmm. a there's a, there's a lot of bureaucracy going on with Davis who's filling, getting the couple to fill out yeah. forms and, and whatnot very much was. in the style of um, Mackenzie Crook in the office isn't yes, it? yeah. very officious even though people are just confused but why why don't you just take this as red like, <laughs> can you initial where I've dotted there to show <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but can you physically say that to me yeah <laughs> And then you've got Bennett with his contraptions upstairs. Um, I think you described him as Heath Robinson. Yeah, is that like, sort of they're like science lab, you know, school science lab vault mm. voltage things, goggles. You're not sure what they do. It's it's very low tech ghost, Ghostbusters type of thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, low tech yeah. Ghostbusters. And this happened. There's a few scenes like this until we get to the main body of the story, which is a woman whose husband went missing. And she's got a daughter who's who doesn't speak. Who's been, she's a teenage daughter who hasn't spoken since for three years, I think it is. Yeah. And Although then we initially just assume that she's a grump, grumpy, teenager. grumpy teenager. Yeah. yeah. The the woman's played by Paprika Steen, who you might know from Feston, yes. uh, the first Dogma movie, um, who I really loved in that. And as soon as I saw her, I was like, I really know her, but I couldn't place it. And I started to look on IMDb, and I was like, Oh yeah, of course. She has such an amazing English accent, though. Yeah, it's she sounds quite games. well spoken, and then you realise mm. it's very enunciated Danish. Yeah, and then yeah, um, sorry, I, I jumped the gun a bit there because in between that, there's a scene where <clears throat> they go on leave, Bennett and Davis, and Davis has yeah. you've shown another side of him. Yeah, well, it's made clear that they have a week of respite. I think they call it. So it's kind of clear yeah. whatever it is they do for a living, whatever this kind of stuff they do with their psychic abilities uh, can lead to uh, they call it psychic detritus so they have to have a week when they just get away from all that I think Bennett recommends that Davis goes out and hangs out with people but actually bizarrely he lives inside what looks like a boat that's just been left it's like a a what do they call it? Landed boat or you know, yeah, dry dock kind of thing. But it's dock, just yeah. by a bunch of chimneys, isn't it? It's yeah, like a static cooling caravan. Towers. But yeah, it's, it's there with these smoking uh, cooling towers. And um, yeah, without revealing too much, it's clear that he doesn't have a lot else going on, but has his own strange little addiction. Which um, yeah, it really feels like you've just stumbled onto someone's porn stash watching it, doesn't <laughs> it? It feels like if you've opened someone's computer and found that they've left uh, a bunch of files open or something. Except it's highly personable yeah uh, it's, it's emotionally uh, choice that, that's the other thing though this film is like for, for it being a, a kind of black comedy with um, ghost sci-fi yeah. overtones yeah. there's a lot of emotion in that absolutely I, I, I was um, bowled over by it no I think that's fantastic because it would have been easy for this to have just been um you know yeah a fantasy film that tries because it's got no budget deliberately makes itself a little bit rough around the edges it's it's kind of celebrating the fact that it's low budget 
but it does tell a really good story and it, the characters in it are great you do get very drawn into it and because often I'd be a bit against this may seem a bit tangential but I really don't like many of the Pixar movies where they've taken a fantasy thing like um, toys coming to life when you're not looking at them or monsters in under the bed but immediately that they do that and make that kind of universal, universal fantasy uh, something that they're showing they then just have them having very workaday kind of existences <laughs> these toys are monsters and there was a danger of that happening with this but actually it really works it makes you really identify with the characters and the amazing thing is even though none of this would happen in the real world people don't really have these gifts and I think the setup in the film is that people don't believe that they have it they kind of hire them almost as a novelty and then are a bit surprised when it turns out they can do what they claim they can mm. you know when we reviewed memories a few shows back and magnetic rose had that whole thing and i said it, I, it's kind of there's something quite upsetting about watching memories manifest and hold people back and yeah there was a lot of that going on here definitely yeah yeah i, I wonder if in some way that was helped as well by the the non-specific setting i mean it, yeah it's yorkshire but you know i was it often a bit be, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, because it wasn't totally grounded in some way you know there's just elements of reality as it were mm. um it didn't give it a dreamlike quality it gave it a an an otherness yeah which i suppose relates to memories you know and i, I don't know if that sort of played in some way because <laughs> i kept having weird flashbacks to league of gentlemen but not to a story or anything but very much the setting yeah, yeah the atmosphere yeah, yeah. The, the weirdness and what i really loved was um, there's a scene where th there's a lot of psychic energy nonsense going on and the, the the appropriation of just everyday objects to help what they're doing was it was so childlike it is was this with the, the corpse channel yes yes yeah. <laughs> which it, it was really it's the kind of thing you don't really see in films or in TV shows. It's something that I remember doing as a child, you know, creating these little oh, universes with my toys. This and has things. its own... Yeah, this is what this does, you yeah. know. Like. No, that's fantastic. And yeah, I mean, we've said it already, but just the way that it never explicitly states what happened, you just pick it up as it's going along. So that scene that we just discussed with the Corpse Road or mm. Corpse Channel, whatever it is, you think, what's that? But you kind of get the gist of it by how they're dealing with it. Yeah. And, um, well, yeah, I mean, I'm kind of looking forward to when my son gets a bit older and he'll I just know he's going to be coming up to me with these things. Mm. Oh, well, this does this, yeah. obviously. You know, he'll be showing me something. Yeah. I don't... It, obviously, he's not done that yet, but, you know, that's it's that he's way... He's just throwing a car at my nuts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's getting worse, believe me. Like articulated lorries. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, Jason Isaacs is in this. I've got to say, I'm not sure I've seen him in much else. But he's in the Harry Potter films? No, no, I've not. Oh, right, OK. He's a... Uh, famous for those I right, think now okay. more than anything because yeah he has an air of Sean Pertwee or someone he seems like a kind of a but he's the colonel the, he's, he's the colonel who's obviously he's, he either runs this company or is quite high up in it but the way he just appears with his flat cap and his wax jacket and yeah uh, just calling everyone wave. mush yeah <laughs> but no I think he's really good in it and just uh, as, as good as the other actors are in it he does lend it a certain Gravitas. authenticity <laughs> and, yeah I know he's really good 
but yeah, it's given it's a fantasy movie, really low. You can see how low budget it is to the extent that you know there's the quite an extended scene when they're walking on railway tracks. Yeah, my heart was in my mouth watching that, thinking, I hope they know what they're doing because <laughs> you imagine you know they didn't have money to do anything other than look at a timetable or all rely on someone saying those those are disused. They're not really. <laughs> thinking man I mean, that must have been uh, quite a tricky scene to do yeah. but yeah the one effect they use in it a few shows back when we did Perrin Baba and I was having a go at the backward film because they really draw attention to it and it's like well, so what the only effect in it is the psychically charged pebbles which sort of wobble around in the palm and then shoot off into the air and yet it's clear that is done by putting the film backwards, but it's so well done, and with the sound design as well. The sound design works brilliantly. Yeah, that yeah. you do have to at least think a few seconds and think, ah. Yeah, yeah. It's only the fact that um, the rest that of it's so low budget, you think there's no way they've done that with CGI, and you think, oh yeah, they've just played the film backwards, but it really works. There's that, yeah, there's that, it's a great example of the duality of like, sound and vision, because that, mm. that sound works perfectly. And then it will cut to whatever they've sort of memory they've mm. gone into yeah it's fantastic the teenage girl in it um, I'm going to be a bit cruel here um, like I say I watched Inception the same night how would you compare Tuppence Middleton who's the actress here with Ellen Page I thought she was better than Ellen Page what have you got against Ellen Page I really liked her in Whip It I saw Whip It recently I thought that was really good but, uh, about I the Yorkshire she... dog racing <laughs> I invested myself a lot more in her because I could see the this is Tuppence the, yeah in Tuppence <laughs> you invested in Tuppence because she was cheaper <laughs> no she was um, I thought she played the role really well You know, um, to perform as a silent character is always quite difficult yeah I there's think, a touch of the uh, Paris Texas here isn't there she's yeah. uh, very distant not saying anything eventually she does and um but no, I think she's really good in it. Um, and yeah, just looking around this morning on IMDb, she's there was her and Paprika Steen seem to be the other car- um, actors who'd gone on with a bit. Well, Paprika Stern's been around for a while, but um, yeah, Tuppence Middleton seems to have appeared in quite a few other films. Yeah, I saw her in a terrible thing called Tormented. Like yeah, a, I saw that was on. Is that yeah, not? That was, uh, it was rubbish. <laughs> it's uh, it's like Skins with the um, you know Skins the ch- yeah. uh, Channel Four, Channel was it? 4. or E Four. You about show. yeah, yeah it, it's one of those kind of things but with a, a bullied kid coming back to haunt the bullies mm. really poor well like I say Tuppence Middleton seems to appear in other things Nick Whitfield I've not really heard of in anything mm. else I know this is a kind of a debut film but he seems to have acted in a few things yeah well on IMDB I'm not not sure if it's the same one because um, it's probably quite a common name but I'd be very interested to see what else uh, he comes up with because this is really one of the best films we've reviewed so far I think definitely yeah, yeah. I don't agree with that 100%. go and go and check it out have you had a bang on the head or something there is no way I'm stopping here and eating cocker van with Gloria Swanson and a Brady Bunch the A to Z of film through midnight video yep that's right the A to Z of film through midnight video I thought Richard Keel had turned up in the studio <laughs> um, yeah so from last week carrying over a to Z of film through midnight video. Yes. What more can I say? Un- um, unlucky show number thirteen. Oh, it's unlucky for some. Yeah, Argentinian filmmakers. <laughs> um, which is foreign what a, filmmakers which, for you? Which is what A stands for. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah so well, well, we've been getting some feedback, and we thought we'd go through some of it now, as promised. Yes, uh, then keep them coming. Yeah, obviously. Th- thanks to everyone who sent stuff in. So yeah, basically, we're hoping to build up over the coming weeks and months. 
uh, our own little uh, encyclopedia of midnight video-ish movie entries. Video-esque. Video-esque. <laughs> okay. Uh, so yeah, we've had some good uh, good contributions. Yeah. Phil. Yeah. Um, this these are from Facebook, and just to say that we get them from Facebook, Twitter. Hopefully, we're going to start getting them on um, through the email as well. Um, so some of them are succinct, and others, some people have added a bit more. But I'll kick off with Marty Hollingsworth has written Aronofsky, Argento, and 1972's Asylum, which scared me to death as a kid. Do you know Asylum? I don't. Actually. I think it's written by Robert Block of oh, Psycho, yeah, but it's Psycho. one of those Amicus A for Amicus, yeah, portmanteau things. But I think it's Robert Powell goes to an asylum and has to guess which one is. Um, which one of the inmates there used to be a doctor but I think uh, the spookiest one is Herbert Lom from the Pink Panther movies has mm. this kind of voodoo clockwork robot I might be totally wrong uh, Marty might be on about a different movie <laughs> altogether but uh, yeah uh, cheers for that Marty uh, Richard Sampson A is for artwork back in the early 90s at the tender age of 10 or 11 I was wowed by the box covers for sword and sandal shite like Deathstalker Barbarian Queen and Amazons I think they were by Boris Vigialo. Is it Vigialo or Vigialo? Vigialo. Vigialo. Paintings. <laughs> and featured rippling muscles, barely contained breasts, and huge many-armed monsters. Brackets that never appeared in the films themselves. I think... Is the one called The Sword and the Sorceress with David Carradine? You were talking about this Yeah, recently, which I think has yeah. a double-decker breasted woman on the cover. But that <laughs> looked very exciting when I was in eight, is for active video back in the, uh, <laughs> the 80s. But yeah, I'm, I'm glad Richard says that they never appeared in the film, so it's uh, <laughs> saved me tracking that one down. Of course, my puerile mind was reeling at the possibilities of what an 18 certificate Willow-esque movie could be like. Oh, the disappointment. Yeah, I hear that. <laughs> I really do. Um, uh, Mark Bloomfield wrote in A is for Audition. Um, that's Takashi Miike's audition. It introduced me, and I'm guessing a lot of other people, to Miike. So even though I can't honestly say I've ever been desperate to watch it again, I wouldn't have seen, among others, the gem that is Gozu without it. I have to agree that Gozu is majestic. It's probably my favourite. Well, it is my favourite Miike. He was your favourite of the Muppets. <laughs> yeah. I loved a bit of Gozu. <laughs> Marie Hepworth, A is for Aguirre, Wrath of God, my favourite film, and also for Amicus films, as I'm very fond of their anthology horrors. So, uh, yeah, well, correct me if I'm wrong about uh, Asylum from earlier on. Everything's dovetailing perfectly. <laughs> D is for dovetailing. And from Colin J. Broadbent, A is for artistic value. A little vague, perhaps, but it's something that for me is increasingly becoming a requirement as this never-ending stream of films that insist on following a bland, formulaic filmmaking by numbers approach to filmmaking is something that seems to me devoid of any artistic worth. I always prefer to view something of at least a little artistic value. Prayer of the Roller Boys for you, then? <laughs> yeah, well, that pretty much sums up what we aim <laughs> for, though, I think. Yeah, um, no, that's, that's, that is at the heart of Midnight Video. It's, uh, well, hopefully, anyway. <laughs> Giles Edwards, our old chum. Uh, A is for all that heaven allows. Dazzling, heightened emotion, cynicism and sincerity hand in hand in one of cinema's greatest love stories. And Matt, Matt Nieder, uh, quite a mainstream choice for me, but A is for Airplane, the film I've rewatched the most times over the longest period of time. Made me laugh like a drain when I first saw it as a kid, and it makes me laugh like a drain now. Do you, uh, do you ever watch that still? 
Yeah, airplane. Yeah. If if I ever I'm flicking channels and it's on, I'll yeah. I'll just watch the rest of it. No, I remember I watched it New Year's Eve with a mate a few years back, and I he'd not seen it before. This is the same guy who had to I had to introduce him to American Werewolf this year. Wow. So I always feel like I'm a lucky know, educating guy. him. <laughs> yeah, no, he, he missed out on all the best films of the early eighties, but. Um, Airplane does still kind of hold up, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's one of those things you've seen the gags done in other films since, so that you sort of forget how fresh they were when they first appeared. Yeah, I, I, whenever I watch it, it, it retains the freshness that no one else could really uh, follow with. Uh, yeah, no, it's, else. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Um, Chris Salt, the Salt Man, off the top of my head. Amicus, man, we better do an Amicus at some point. The, <laughs> it's crying out now, isn't it? The barbarians it? <laughs> are at the gates. <laughs> Um, actually, I'm trying to think of a, one of my favourite amicus. There was a weird amicus one. I think it's amicus torture garden with Douglas, not uh, Burgess Meredith. Mm. Uh, but no, we should do an amicus I at like some a point. Better Burgess. <laughs> <laughs> Chris Salt, yeah, amicus alien Al Moldavar. Probably plenty more that I just can't remember now. Amnesia. That's what amnesia. He's uh, and from Sasha uh, Derek Holtz on uh, Twitter first aid that comes to mind is Alan Woody to this day he has only made two films I didn't enjoy beat that well I don't know I've kind of backed that up even, even his bad ones are kind of interesting I think I mean there's a few of his recent ones that I've not seen but um, hopefully the uh, A is for amending um, <laughs> that soon and finally, uh, I've got Mark Foster, Dude Foz from the Average Dudes podcast, and he he wrote, "Is Argento too obvious?" Bloody but he also wrote uh, Paul T, probably Thomas Anderson, Aliens, Akira, and Anchor Bay. I definitely agree with the Anchor Bay. They've uh, been responsible for releasing some great stuff on DVD, and also Paul Thomas Anderson. I'm a big fan yeah. of his. Okay, well, that's A. For now, but um, yeah, uh, I think this is going quite well. Your B's and C's, please. <laughs> the world has lost its voice, with citizens of the futuristic city featured in 2007's Lantenna now used to seeing their words physically manifesting in midair. If that wasn't bad enough, an evil TV station owner, an insane monitor-faced scientist and their rat-like henchmen are planning to take mental control of the population in a nefarious scheme involving a transmitter and a hooded female singing star. Can young Anna, her estranged parents and the eyeless boy who lives next door stop their doomsday plan armed only with pluck and balloon suits? It ain't over till the thin lady sings. So this wasn't really a recommend. I'd seen this a few years ago. Uh, my mate bought it because he'd read about it and we all sat down and watched it together and I was really blown away by it I thought it was quite an extraordinary um, visually and well mainly visually amazing not many people seem to talk about it it's not something that I've read about that often kind of a bold thing to do to do a silent movie these days yeah. uh, I mean it's, it's worth just mentioning what's so visually striking about it I suppose it's a black and white movie, it's kind of a pseudo silent movie isn't it mm. um, like I said in the introduction the, the, the characters in this have lost their the voices and their words physically manifest so you have these kind of Argentinian, not subtitles there'll be actual words floating around but the whole world they've created there is very retro isn't it and very um, yeah. yeah I mean it, it's, you could say it's like 
it's just a homage to well, well Metropolis certainly was, Metropolis, uh, but also more fifties science fiction as well in there. Um, but yeah, you'd seen this before, and how was it this time around? Yeah, I mean, I loved it again. Um, it's so visually astounding. There's so much attention to detail gone into it, mm. and to be able to carry a story in this manner as well, because it seems to be very modern in its approach mm. even though it's paying homage or uh, it's referencing old style films it's full of clever uh, visual metaphors and plays on that that cinema has developed over the last hundred years and the action as well you know it's i uh, loathe this film oh really i really couldn't <laughs> cope with it oh it was I, it's one of those things when something that works for some someone it's like again um the other weekend i've never really seen tim vine the comedian mm. and, uh, uh, he's famous for doing these one-liner I've got kind a DVD of puns and i was with a bunch of mates and they're like oh he's so good he's so good and we sat through it and they were absolutely well, like they were quite drunk but falling off their chairs laughing at this stuff and i was sitting there stony face thinking this is like someone just reading out Christmas cracker jokes really aggressively and i just didn't get it and i felt awful because everyone else thought it was fantastic this movie, um, yeah, I mean, it's got a very distinct visual style to it, but it reminded me, so it, it had nothing else but that, I didn't feel. Um, mm. Whereas with Skeletons, you had the unusual setup, but it had lots of character and feeling to it. This really felt like someone who'd probably, I've, I've not looked into the director, but it really felt like someone who'd come from a background in pop promos or adverts, so was used to putting those visuals He's a they cinematographer, actually. Right, okay. Mm. Um, but yeah, someone who's used to just doing the images and not having to put them into any context. So it just felt like image, 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 and it didn't really... There was nothing there, and it it felt like everything was not physically framed, but was being pointed at and going, isn't this great? <laughs> <laughs> Scenes like... I mean, one of the main characters in it is this one character who has a voice, who's this... Um, voluptuous kind of female singing star who's very curvaceous, but then has this hood so her face can't be seen. Um, it's like Kenny in South Park. Yeah, yeah, exactly like Kenny in South <laughs> Park. Um, but there's a scene when she goes up to a misted window and draws a kind of two eyes and a smile on the window so it's where her face would be, and I just thought, piss off. I loved that. I hated that. <laughs> I absolutely it was just loved so, it. <laughs> oh, this is so clever. I had a lump in my throat. And, uh, oh, no, it was just so full of things like that. And, you know... Um, half-baked tributes to silent cinema by having a scene but then irising in on it to point your attention which is something silent cinema I imagine used because they didn't have a zoom facility so they just had static cameras so there's no real point doing it here or do it if you're going to keep that logic going for the entire film but then they'll happily chop away and do other stuff won't they and yeah it just feels like why are you bothering with this um <laughs> Don't you think it's some kind of, not just an homage, but it's someone who's obviously really taken with that, uh, you know, who, being a cinematographer, they're probably a lot more interested in the aesthetics of something. Don't you think that it's got some Well, possibly, but value? in that case, make short five-minute, <laughs> ten-minute films. Don't waste an hour and... No, is this an hour and 40 or something? It's an hour and a half, yeah. Man, it felt it, though, but... <laughs> <sighs> We've said before, you know, people keep rolling out David Lynch as a comparison, but I would have to say there's a razor head, which again, 
had a feel of a much older film. It wasn't just that they filmed in black and white because it was cheap. It was, I mean, I'm sure that was the reason, but they ran with that and made this nightmare world. Hmm. And that was full of strange images, but it really got it got into your gut. You know, it, it really summoned up this nightmare world. This just seems to be throwing these things out and sort of oh, pleased yeah. with itself. And the other thing it reminded me of was, have you seen any... Um, I have to pronounce his name right. Is it Guy Madden or Guy Madden? Oh, yeah, Canadian? Guy Madden. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, was uh, Wisconsin. The, yeah, uh, mm. Winnipeg. My Winnipeg. Yeah. But uh, one of the first Wisconsin. films he did was uh, Tales of the Gimli Hospital, which mm. again had really um, drew on silent movie imagery, but it created this quite nightmarish world. Yeah. This, it did remind me of, in the same way, I'd, I'd love to like Terry Gilliam films more than I do, but often they seem concerned with images over actually an enjoyable film <laughs> so yeah this got off on a wrong foot with me and never really <laughs> recovered I mean there were a few images I did like in it initially when the rat kind of henchman turns up it's done with some subtlety mm. I think someone's observing him and this guy with a, a, an army great coat gets out with a hat but he's got a tail yeah. I thought wow they've actually downplayed something and that made him a much more mysterious character but then for the rest of the movie, you've got close-ups of these gnarled teeth, you know, throughout it. There's like a leather mask on the Yeah, you'd, you'd yeah. yeah, I mean, that's that's what I've got to say about it. It was a <laughs> bunch of images that didn't really mean anything to me and went on and on. Um, oh, that's a shame. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I absolutely loved it. I just think it's, yeah, stylistically, I thought it was really captivating and I, I found the story quite fascinating I think it's an interesting setup to have you know a city without a voice and paying tribute to silent movies and stuff it's it kind of what do you call it? it's a good hook I think um, it would be if I felt this had any characters in it but <laughs> I'm like, oh that's going to be tough because it's well it's silent but obviously their dialogue sort of drifts into the air mm. so but that's more in the service of joining the dots of what's happening from scene to scene. Even though you got this set up with the estranged parents, one of whom works as a nurse, doesn't she? Um, and it feels like they've just pushed that archetype in there and it's like, oh, it's sad because the parents aren't together and, you know, da, da, da. there's a constant thing with the ripped up photo of them that keeps yeah, getting put together being again. Yeah, together again. Um, but it feels like they've put no other work beyond that into making you engage with it I was engaged and that other it. bloody <laughs> image of the frozen tears that have these icicle tears that keep appearing on people's faces which, yeah because there uh, was that one on the even the boy with no eyes who presumably doesn't have any tear ducts but that, you know the first time I saw him like, really, really he was quite a creepy image, yeah. <laughs> yeah because there's a lot of CGI going on in this film but I thought it was used really well. It's CGI heavy in a way, unlike Avatar. Where yeah, I mean, it's not in your face, is it's it? It's not in your face. Yeah. No, no, no it's, um, Jews. it's subtle. Yes. Although the, another film it reminded me of, which I had the same kind of expectations for and kind of failed for the same reason, uh, Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow from a few years back, which again, you know... That the, Jude Law? Yeah, the Jude Law and uh, Angelina, Angelina Jolie. Jolie. But that was one where they recreated this entire world with CGI in black and white. But it was more about invoking those images rather than doing anything interesting with them. And again, it had the kind of mad scientist plot, it was a kind of retro 1930s science fiction thing. A bit like... Um which this reminded me of was Jenny uh, and Caro's uh, City of Lost Children. Mm. I mean, I much preferred that. I've not seen that in a while, but I remember enjoying yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, that's fantastic. I mean, their films are character-based, really. Yeah. And Alien. 
Maybe in Resurrection. <laughs> Which I really like. <laughs> One of the very few in the world, but I was telling you before how much I like David Bowie as an actor, so you know. <laughs> no kudos to me. Uh, well, I mean, it's a shame to hear that, but I can't say I'm that surprised either. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel terrible because this is the third show running where the non-English language film is something I've really had a... a and a kick to. That's right, so yeah, you're Perrin, just a racist, aren't you? Perrin Baba, <laughs> The Wayward Cloud and Lantana. I feel like I'm uh, disgusted of Tunbridge we're Wells. To, we're going to have to find... Uh, uh, well, no, we've got, we've got a good one coming up in a few shows' time, haven't we? We have. Yes. Yeah. Well, we don't know yet, we've not watched it, have but we? it looks fantastic. Um, oh, yes, 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 yes. yes, yes. yes. So, Sorry. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, that will mean nothing to you this Yes. <laughs> Actually, to conclude on a sort of happier note, there was there was an image in this I did really like, which was the um, there's this sort of evil TV tyrant who's going to use the hooded singer's voice on a transmitter to hypnotise the entire ta- uh, city, mm. and the heroes have to try and use a, a, a sort of another antenna to try and counter this. But when they get there, they find this um, small girl not a young girl but actually like a Tom Thumb sized girl who's in something like I don't know if it's a snow globe it's more like those potmatic dice you used to get in the, in the <laughs> frustration 70s. yeah <laughs> and she's kind of dancing around on four arrows and I thought she looked fantastic that yeah. was a genuinely good image but again it was probably quite low tech wasn't it it was just speeded up film but yeah um, the fact oh, she yeah, it kind of made it look mechanical she mm. had this little helmet with typewriter keys all over it and um, it was like a factory sort of process, yeah. a bit like an eraser head. How they're making the eraser heads? Yeah, because I think they, they s- then superimpose eyes and things behind it, don't they? Yeah, and typewriter yeah. keys. And yeah, stuff. no, yeah. I really like that. But yeah, yeah. I mean, there was arresting imagery, but like you said, mm. I suppose yeah, character-wise, it might have been somewhat lacking. But I'm an easy, uh, I'm a mark for that kind of stuff. Though, if something looks good, you know, I can, I can just lap it up so, like a dog. Lapping up the hooded. <laughs> <laughs> Oh well, um, so uh, I'm sure we'll find another piece of Argentinian cinema soon to impress me. I don't want to. I watched one last night. Actually. I watched the Go Secret on. in Their Eyes, the Oscar winner from. It's last not stars year. in their eyes. <laughs> not to be confused with Matthew Kelly's uh, popular. Who TV are you going show. to be tonight? <laughs> so, competition time. Very exciting competition this time. You thought little, Condor Man was exciting. This is a little bit special. This is going to blow your socks off. <laughs> no, seriously, I am. I'm very excited about this one. Yeah, me too. Me too. Uh, it's been a long time coming. Um, yeah. Just have to <clears throat> say a massive, massive thank you to uh, Rich uh, Richard Wells, who slippery uh, Jack. He's he's pretty much done it all for us, hasn't yeah. he? Yeah. Um, we are doing t-shirts um, for the podcast and the design that uh, Richard's come up with is absolutely fantastic. We're really blown away by it. So thanks so much, Rich. Um, we will, by the time this podcast has gone out, uh, we'll post up the image on the website, uh, midnight-video.com. Um, but yeah, we'd, we'd very much like to uh, start giving them away to people who um, can answer incredible brain teasers, I promise. <laughs> Um, do you want to give the first question? Yeah, yeah, so basically, as as Jim has said, we're going to have the image of the T-shirt up on the site. And it's 
quite simple. You just have to identify the elements yeah. from what, the image. Should we just describe it? I mean, people will be able to see it, but we've got the Midnight Video logo with the cassette, but we have various uh, characters from shows that we've reviewed. From films from that shows. we've reviewed. <laughs> we review our own shows. <laughs> Indeed. Um, yeah, there's five characters and an element from six films just identify them yep and then the first person whose name we pull out of the yeah. hat will it's, be like, the it's like the Sergeant Pepper cover <laughs> yeah who did that Peter Blake was Peter it? Blake yes. yeah um, yeah so I mean a relatively easy one I think the for the first yeah, separates the men from the boys <laughs> but yeah if you um, if you can email us at midnightvideo at hotmail.co.uk and if you could put competition show 13 in the banner just so it's, it's much easier for us to um, collate all the results at the end okay so what a fantastic piece of merchandise yeah wow well, I mean I can't wait to be walking down the high street with that on my chest <laughs> you say that to all the boys yes. <laughs> okay so this show show 13 should be getting posted up around the weekend of Saturday the 9th if around it will be posted up that weekend if you can get your entries in in time for Thursday the 14th of July and uh, we'll pick a winner then wake the fuck up ramrod in the future Germany will buy Poland and the Israeli defence force will clean up Northern Ireland that's according to newspaper headlines in 1990's Prayer of the Roller Boys in which pizza delivery man Corey Haim goes undercover for the cops to discover how exactly the titular organised criminal gang are planning to wreck society. The answer involves terrible dress sense, a synthesised drug called Mist, and an early role for Patricia Arquette. So, Phil, are you trembling, getting ready for the day of the rope? <laughs> yeah. As it was described in the film, I am trembling a bit. <laughs> yes. I'm all a-quiver. Day of the rope. Um which is graffiti throughout this film. Man, where to begin with this? Well, I'll begin by saying uh, we're covering this because, weirdly, yeah, about three people had suggestions for rollerblade-themed films that we uh, they thought we might be interested As in. As you do. Yeah, uh, this was from my friend um, Michelle. Um, but uh, who else? Our friend Michael, uh, Michael Bullock, who we used to work with, he suggested a sort of, I think there's a WWF-themed roller dome kind of movie. And on a discussion thread as well, Richard Sampson he mentioned a couple of uh, rollerblade or ro roller movies. So obviously, there's quite a market out there. But mm. uh, looking at the YouTube trailers, this looked potentially quite good. And um, I've given the game away <laughs> with my impression, <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> and and watching it this time, I was quite taken with the opening. Um, you know, the exposition at the beginning is. Uh, um, the leader of the Roller Boys, Gary Lee, with his dreadful—he looks a bit like Alex Winter from Bill and Ted, doesn't yeah, he? With he does, this kind yeah. of curly perm, permed um, mullet. But he's there going on about how we should hate our parents and the, the past generations because they brought around economic collapse. And I thought, my God, this is—you know—he could be talking to me. <laughs> it's profound. <laughs> it's profound and prescient. Um, and indeed, in in the uh, trailer, the Roller Boys look great, don't they? Going off the formation. Um, they're dressed like sort of interior painter and decorators, I suppose. In these, I thought they looked a bit new wave. But yeah, with their, they they have trench coats and these kind of um, neckerchiefs, don't they? Mm. Um, and yeah, I thought it, it had the feeling of a Mad Max 
type of movie where society's gone to hell. Yeah, and it's not quite post-apocalyptic. Are, but not quite, but it's clear. Or um, uh, Escape from New York or something, yeah. where certainly it's set in Los Angeles. Certainly, It's clear the whole of America's gone down the pan, but that's particularly where we're focused. So there's some kind of infrastructure. Because what I was very taken with at the beginning is Corey Hames, a pizza delivery man. Yeah. And so it's they've still be got pizza image. deliveries. Yeah, the fact you've got all these oil drums burning and stuff, but these two guys dressed in uh, candy striped shirts <laughs> and um, bow ties and little boater hat, um, straw boaters or something, delivering pizza to this uh, <laughs> this this sort of sci-fi post-apocalypse gang. I thought this is this is going to be pretty good, and it just <sighs> it just collapsed. It, it well, it never really got going. It was a bit of a wet fart in a paper bag I was I, I really wanted to like it I had oodles of uh, nostalgia because of the period and I was thinking of all the other films that were coming did out did you used to wear time. a trench coat and roll a blade around <laughs> no I didn't but it's the kind of films that I would have adored when I was like 12, 13 11, 12, 13 that age because um, it was that it was probably aimed at teenagers and I was just a bit younger then and it would have felt like oh yeah you kind of look up to those characters in a Mm. weird kind of way that you only do when you're prepubescent well maybe not (laughs) yeah and um yeah i wanted to like this so much and i did get some enjoyment out of it but it just the action sequences were so boring they were appalling for a movie called prayer of the roller boys you're expecting something that's really going to knock you out with um you know, I can't believe the skills of these guys, but they just they just go from A to B on their rollerblades, don't they? Yeah, because like I, I watched um, BMX Bandits not long ago as part of the seventy movie challenge, actually, which we talked about before, and that was done in nineteen eighty six. Brian Trenchard Smith did that in Australia. That's Nicole Kidman, isn't it? Nicole Kidman's yeah. in that, yeah, and that was fantastic. You know, I've, I actually felt the same kind of excitement watching that as when I watched it as a, an eight year old mm-hmm. or a six year old. And this was just, it just fell flat on its arse. <laughs> <laughs> a bit like us rollerblading. Yeah. yeah. And Haim, oh my God. Like, he was obviously at the height of his drug problems then, he was in and out of rehab. Oh, right. Um, I just thought he was a bad actor. Well, he's pretty good in The Lost Boys, I thought. Right. You know, when he's Michael's younger brother, uh, Jason. Mm-hmm. Jason Patrick, is it? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah. He was pretty good in that, but, you know, he's he looks kind of emaciated in this and not being pushed to do his lines, but there's no emotion no, involved. But that's true also of um, Patricia our, Arquette. Our, our cat, who I've never really been too taken with, but she's always seemed a very wooden. I really like actress. her in True Romance, though. I think she. Uh, uh, although she seemed to have got a cost, uh, wardrobe from this and in the opening when you first see her she seems to have she's got like the leopard skin yeah. top on and stuff she's which she sort of carries over into True Romance for years like she's playing a hooker in that isn't she yeah. so, um, I think she's great in that True Romance but, yeah. throughout it just re- either bad or very uncharismatic acting the, the only guys who really impressed me in this there's Julius Harris as this kind of mechanic guy isn't he Julius Harris who yeah would be better known as uh, Teehee the henchman in Live and Let Die and mm. he's the cop in Taking of Pelham 1, 2, 3 um, I mean he's good and also there are two undercover cops in it who not that they're brilliant actors but they're quite distinctive looking aren't they Yeah, and they've got some nice it's quite a well written part for them when they're 
they're taking bets with each other on uh, <laughs> what what action's going to transpire in front of them. But no, I mean, it does invite comparisons with things like Mad Max, whereas that's set out in the desert and has loads of physical stunt work and driving action. This, the fact it's set around LA just suggests they didn't really have the budget to go out and do a load of location filming outside of, you know, somewhere with a load of catering and mm. people could go home for the evening. So nothing much happens. I mean, again, that title makes you think you're going to see the equivalent of the opening of Casino Royale with all that parkour kind of. Oh right, yeah. None of it is there. There's a little. The bit opening of, scene, sort of he's in like um, a skate park doing yeah. some skating. Really, he's not doing stunts as such. Yeah, but I thought that was kind of nicely done because you think, oh, he's easing you, you into what's going to be going on. I was really at that point because he's exactly <laughs> grooming opening. you. <laughs> <laughs> so join the roller boys. Um, <laughs> I was looking forward to something a bit of a lost gem, but no, mm. just well deservedly lost. I don't know. It's yeah, I, I think what's he's got? Rick King, who directed it, he was a co-writer with W. Peter Illiff for Point Break, which is a great movie, which is brilliant. But they're only accredited with the story, right? So. Well, I was going to say because this. There are suggestions in the script, the stuff that we highlighted when we did the introduction about those headlines with, you know, Germany buys Poland, suggests that there was probably a better movie in here, but maybe even at the very early stages they went, well, we're not going to be able to do this. And just even the fact that they're meant to be a white supremacist gang, but they're all teenagers. Mm. um, I I wouldn't be surprised if there was a better movie that was planned here. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, maybe, maybe. But it just didn't have either the budget or the courage of its own convictions to sort of carry on with it. Because, yeah, they have this drug mist, which... Something I I love from, like, the 80s and 90s films. They're just sci-fi films. Yeah, Yeah. well, there's always some very... uh, uh, Not very subtle pretend drug or whatever, and... I think in Robocop 2 it was like Nuke I think it was called Nuke and this is like it's a drug that's it seems to be a liquid in a tube a neon liquid in a tube but you take it through a respirator oh right because I mostly saw it as like chunks of plastic card or something it looked like you used to get things like wham bars in the 80s yes, yeah. it looked like some just really ghastly you know uh, tartrazine heavy sweet or something <laughs> but you know it was inev- inevitable with these kind of scripts Corey Haim's younger brother you hear a worship sim a bit is kind of hooked on it but it just looks like dope really doesn't it I think yeah. it just gets them a little bit, uh, a bit stoned yeah. yeah it didn't seem like it sent anyone on the kill crazy but then rampage. you know there's something other stuff other yeah. stuff is revealed <laughs> yeah <laughs> let's not spoil it for anyone foolhardy enough to uh, to but watch it I was I was quite happy to spot as well uh, Mark Pellegrino who was Bango um, one of the roller boys. He had okay. the bleach blonde hair. Oh yeah. He was in Mulholland Drive and right and Lost. You know the series Lost. He yeah. played Jacob in Lost. Right. Is this is this the guy who's actually looking after the drug manufacturing? Yes. And yeah. he's got the wheelchair to go. Yeah. They have a, for some reason they have a wheelchair rather than an office chair in their um, <laughs> in their drugs factory, but they just go backwards and forwards on. But um, yeah, I mean. It, it's probably only about an hour and 40, but it, f- it felt very long. It was too long. Because yeah. yeah, there was just nothing... There were no tentpole kind of action scenes to hold everything up. No, I mean, the, there's like one or two sort of chase sequences, which are so dull. I mean, Rollerblade is, is bloody dull. You can't really do that much on uh, with four wheels on each foot. Um, Jeremy Irons learnt to Rollerblade while he was filming Die Hard 4, I think. Die Hard 3. <laughs> So that's the kind of <laughs> calibre. Yeah. 
Oh dear. He's the poster boy for rollerblading. <laughs> but no, a bit of a disappointment. Um, oh, actually, I just thought of another thing that I did get out of it. They played almost in its entirety uh, Head Like a Hole by Nine Inch Nails. Really? Yeah, there's a scene where uh, Corey Haim's character Griffin goes to a roller boys uh, party and it's playing throughout the background. You can, and I've not heard that for years. It was a real blast from the past. Then. Yeah, because the party, given this does look like a film that's aimed at 13-year-olds, the party's quite sort of um, a bit foxy, raunchy. isn't it? <laughs> yeah, For no very good reason. No, that's yeah. That was the other thing because I was saying before it's aimed at like teenagers, this kind of film. But it, even though it would be aimed at sort of fourteen, fifteen year olds, they wouldn't want to watch this. It's it was my age at that time. Yeah, because even nineteen ninety, like I don't know. That 11, was a time when uh, nineteen ninety when this came out it was a time of Vanilla Ice and the Teenage Mutant Hero Turtles. Yeah, but, again, I mean that's aimed at younger, wasn't it? Really younger children. Um, what are you saying about the Ice Man? <laughs> I, I like Vanilla Ice. He's all right. We'll <laughs> um, get him on the show soon. <laughs> he probably would come on, wouldn't he? For a cheeseburger. <laughs> <laughs> um, are you thinking we should maybe have covered one of the other Rollerblade movies? Really? Yeah, I, I'm wondering. Maybe we should have done Gleaming the Cube with uh, Christian Slater, the skateboarding. Movie. I've not seen that. I might be up for that. Hey, man. Wake up. Wake up. Awake, I was just uh, mulling over a few pertinent details in my mind, you know. Okay, so thanks as always for feedback. Um, really enjoying reading that. It feels like there's a bit of a community going on. Yeah, no, it's great. It's. Um, I feel like Jim Jones. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to get everyone to have Kool-Aid. some poison Kool Aid <laughs> before too long. Please do get in touch. Uh, we've got our Hotmail account, which is midnightvideo at hotmail.co.uk. Um, follow us on Twitter at midnightvideo or go to Facebook where you should be able to find us fairly easily if you stick Midnight Video in the bar mm-hmm. and join in all our wonderful discussions there. We have got some discussion threads and polls going on. Yeah, it's, uh, like I say, we just we really want the listeners to get more involved, I think, so yeah. so that you know that other people are listening as well. <laughs> We're not just broadcasting yeah. for your own personal Yeah, pleasure. so when the cabal of the UN and all of the uh, bankers join together, we'll be there <laughs> in a bunker. Seven-foot lizards drinking blood. But also do check out our website, uh, midnight-video.com, where there's all sorts of supplemental material that keeps going up there. Yeah, I'm a busy little beaver. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. And, yeah, well, thanks for listening yet again. Yes, sorry for um, not liking foreign films. (laughs) Adieu, au revoir. Oh, (laughs) feed us. (laughs) Okay, bonsoir. (laughs) Ciao, ciao. Look, when somebody gives you the chance to play uh, a brain-damaged, paranoid, schizophrenic, psychopathic crime boss, you, you know, you grab it with both hands.